Well, good morning, church. He is risen. There you go. All right. Well, greetings to our Christ the King Church family. It's great to see you this morning. And welcome also to everybody else who's joining us. If you're visiting here, if you're on the live stream, um, praise God that you're here and that we are worshiping our risen Savior together. Today is the day that we celebrate Jesus and the power of his resurrection because his resurrection is the great hope of the world. Amen? It is. It is. The resurrection of Jesus is not a fairy tale. It's not a fiction. It's not a myth. It is not wishful thinking. It is a fact of human history. Jesus is God himself, who for our sake became a human being. He lived a perfect life, and he suffered, and he died on a cross. And three days later, he rose again from the dead, literally, physically, he rose. And Jesus was not a mere victim. Jesus was not a mere martyr, but he willingly did this. He laid down his life on our behalf as a sacrifice to pay the penalty for our sins. So whenever Jesus stood up on Easter Sunday morning and he walked out of that grave, he was fully alive and healthy and made new, risen with the power of God in a resurrection body, never again to die, never again to taste death. And he appeared visibly to his disciples. Also, hundreds of other eyewitnesses saw him. They spoke with Jesus. They touched him. And many of these eyewitnesses were murdered because they would not recant their belief in the resurrection. They insisted on the truth of it. So the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the physical, bodily, literal resurrection of Jesus Christ is an absolute non-negotiable of the Christian faith. Because if Christ is not raised, then our faith and everything we're doing here today is a vain, pathetic sham. It is real. It really happened. The Apostle Paul said it, said it this way. He said, without the resurrection, we have hope in this life only. And therefore, if that's the case, we are, of all people, most to be pitied. So it doesn't matter how much good Christianity does out in the world if, in the end, death is still our master, if Jesus did not raise. So of all the fears and challenges that we face in our lives, our greatest enemy is death. It's an enemy we can't escape. We can't defeat it. So all of us, we are all subject to the power of death and of hell, unless... We are rescued by someone who has the power over death, right? So, he is risen. And since Jesus is risen, he is the singular hope for humanity. And he is the hope that we too can have life beyond the grave. So today, that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about two powers. There is the power of death. And then there is the power of his resurrection. Let's dig in. We're going to start in Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. And I want to start in verse 7. And what we're going to see in these verses, listen to this as we go through these verses, there's a, the power of his resurrection, but also the result and the, the priorities of the Apostle Paul as a result of the resurrection. Verse 7 says this. But whatever gain I had, meaning in his former life, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord. 
For his sake I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. This is God's word. So let's start off talking about the power of death. So we're used to hearing that death is natural, right? I mean, death is a, it's a biological fact. It's reality. It's just the way things are. You know, there's the, the famous quote. Do you know this famous quote? There's only two things that are certain in life. You know what they are? Death and taxes, right? Those are the two certainties in life. If you know Forrest Gump, I may be dating myself a bit, but Forrest Gump said, uh, death is just a part of life. I'm not going to do my Forrest Gump impersonation. You can, uh, you can hear me do it later, but he said, death is a part of life. Steve Jobs is the, the guy who founded Apple Computers. You know, some of you younger folks may not know this, but Steve Jobs, the iconic man who founded Apple Computers and the iPhones and this sort of thing. So he was speaking at a graduation ceremony once, a commencement, and he made this statement, a very, very revealing statement. Here's, here's a quote. No one wants to die. Even people who want to go to heaven don't want to die to get there. And yet, death is the destination we all share. No one has ever escaped it. Sorry to be so dramatic, but it's quite true. Your time is limited. And so he goes on after that to talk about making the most of this life, since as an atheist, he believed that this is the only life you have. But of course, as Christians, we know that this is not the only life we have. This is the life that God has given us, and it goes on forever into eternity. Well, not long after this, Steve Jobs himself died of pancreatic cancer. And over the last year, if there's one thing that the pandemic has exposed, is that people are really, really, really afraid of dying. And we'll do all kinds of things to, to prevent it. So that's one thing that everybody agrees on. Steve Jobs is right. So if you've been a part of our church, you've been around for a while, we've been doing a study through the book of Genesis. And one of the things that we discovered early on in the book of Genesis is that God created human beings in his image. So just as God is eternal, likewise, human beings are eternal. He created us as eternal beings. We see this also in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11, that says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, now here's the line. He has put eternity into man's heart. Yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. Meaning that there is, a, there is an effect. There is a, there's the echo of eternity in each of our hearts. But not such that we can discern and know all things. But there is there is a sense of eternal, of the divine in each of our souls. So this means that an eternal God created us to be eternal beings. And so every one of us, every one of you, you're eternal. Your soul is eternal. And even when your body dies, your soul goes on forever and ever. Because God created you that way. The, the eternity is in our hearts. That's what it, part of what it means to be created in God's image. So we know this. We know this, we know this deep down, even if we suppress it, right? 
We know it in our bones that we are more than just atoms and molecules and chemical reactions that create the illusion of consciousness. We know that there's something real, something eternal about each of us. And we know that we're meant for more than this. That's a Switchfoot song, I think. Uh, we are meant for more something. It just popped into my head. But we know that we're meant for more than this. God created us with his eternal imprint on our souls. And this is an innate knowledge. And along with that innate knowledge is this undeniable fact. We believe, we know that death is absurd. That's why it's so tragic. It's why we want to avoid it. It is, it is an absurdity. Another thing we saw in Genesis 3, or in the book of Genesis in chapter 3, is that death entered into the world. So here's the explanation. Death entered into the world because of sin. So the story goes, Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve rebelled against God and they followed the serpent, Satan. And Romans chapter 3.23 says that this implicates all of us because we've all sinned. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So that's everyone, every human being. And then we see in Romans chapter 6 that the penalty for that is death. It says, for the wages of sin is death. So follow this. Whenever you rebel against the author and giver of life, death is what you end up with, right? And whatever sustained life that you have is given to you as a gift and an opportunity. But whenever we rebel against the giver of life, what we end up with is death. And so sin is the rebellion against the giver of life, against the source of life. We're rebelling against the one in whom we have life. It's kind of like you, have your, you plug in your phone at night. Now, you can unplug your phone from the charger, but eventually the battery is going to die unless you plug it back in again. You plug it into the source of where it has its ongoing life. Whenever we rebel against God, we're unplugging ourselves from the source. And the life that we have that continues on is a gift. And, now, and we've all done this, right? We're all guilty. We've all sinned. We've all done things that we regret. We've all done things that are not right. And so as a result... Every human being is under this power of death. We've all rebelled against the source of life. And here's another thing. Death is Satan's domain. Whenever Adam and Eve disobeyed God and followed the serpent, they, were, they became a part of his kingdom. They, they become under Satan's thumb, under his domain. And so the power of death belongs to the devil, which is hell. That's eternal death. And so that means that everyone who does not belong to Christ... They belong to Satan. They're under the power of death. And so the promise of the gospel, and which makes the gospel good news for us, is that through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, he destroyed Satan's power for those of us who believe. So in his death, his death has meaning for us. And then whenever Jesus died on the cross, he was crying out in agony, and he cried out, It is finished! That was the sound of death itself dying. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 to 15, listen to this. He talks about the, the effect of the resurrection. And he says, since therefore the children share in flesh and blood. So he's talking about us, the children of Adam and Eve. We are, we are human beings. Since we are made of flesh and blood, Jesus Christ himself, he himself likewise partook of the same things, meaning flesh and blood. God became a human being, right? That, now here, there are two effects I want you to see here. That through death, number one, 
he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil. All right? So the first thing that, that happened was that he destroyed the one who has the power of death. Satan was defeated at the cross. And, number two, deliver all those, that's us, who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. So two things accomplished at the cross. So the first one is that Jesus destroyed the power of death, right? And so if you're not a Christian, that means that the death of Christ has not applied to you because you've not repented and believed the gospel. You've not committed to him by faith. So if you do not believe in Jesus, then death still holds this power over you, right? So death is this inevitable terror that hangs over your whole life, and you'll do anything to delay it or avoid it. And then when you die, you're still an eternal creature, right? Whenever you die, you don't cease to exist. You don't stop existing. Your soul goes on. You, you, you are forever given over to the power of death, and that is what the Bible calls hell. Now, for Christians... Whenever we die, death is a little more than a toll booth on the road to eternal life. It's a stop we all have to make, unless Jesus returns before we die, but it's something that we all have to go through, but it is not the final destination. It is, it is something that we experience on the road to glory. So we pay the toll and we keep going. So that's the first thing. Jesus destroyed the power of death. The second thing it says is that Jesus freed us from the fear of death. So since Jesus destroyed Satan, and Satan is the one who holds the power of death, then you don't need to fear it. So the fear of death is slavery. Did you see that in the text here? He says, like, he delivers all of those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. So the fear of death is a, is a form of slavery. So ordering your life around the fear of death is a form of bondage. It is acting as though this life is all that is, and it is acting as though the resurrection of Christ has no meaning. That's a form of bondage. And Jesus died to set us free from that bondage. So if you're not a Christian then, death still holds this power over you. And the fear of death is going to rule over you unless you repent and believe in the gospel. But if you are a Christian, then any lingering fear of death that you experience is simply a stubborn remnant of your former unbelief. So thanks be to God that in the power of his resurrection, Jesus has delivered us from the power and of the fear of death. Now let's take a look at the power of his resurrection. That's really why we're here, right? We're not here to talk about death. We're here to talk about life and resurrection. So the gospel promise is that the power of his resurrection is made available to us through faith in Christ. So what this means is that there is a mediator, one mediator, and there's human beings, and Jesus Christ represents God to us and represents us to God. He mediates that. And Jesus is qualified to do so because he is fully human and he is fully divine. And so 1 Timothy 2 verse 5 says, there is one God... And there is one mediator between God and man. And who's that? The man Christ Jesus, right? The man who died on the cross for us. That is his mediation work. When he hung on the cross, he was suspended between heaven and earth where he is dying and bleeding out for our sake so that he might represent to the Father human beings and our plight before him and our sin and death. 
And he could represent the Father to us in his resurrection when he arose on the grave, from the grave on the third day, giving to us the life that he has in himself. So as a man, Jesus fully entered into our experience. He became one of us, a human being. He was born, he lived, he died, he ate food, he slept, he ate. He went through all the range of human experiences. He had sweat and bad breath and everything else that comes with being a human. Jesus experienced all those things because he was fully human. But as the living God, he fully lived his life in God's power throughout his whole life. So from the moment of his birth until he ascended with the Father, and, and ever since and every time before, he lives with the, the life of God pulsing through his veins. So you see that only God has life in himself, right? God is the source. He's the giver of life. And everything else that exists depends on God for its existence. And since Jesus is himself God who became man, the power of his life and death and resurrection is made available to us because he's the mediator. It's made available to us. We can have his life. And this eternal power of God was evident in every aspect of his life. Let me give you a few examples. I have five here for you. The first is that Jesus was born in power. Luke 1.35, whenever the angel announced to Mary she was pregnant, it said, The angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Jesus was born in power. Second, Jesus taught with power. Luke 4, verse 36 and they were all amazed. This is after Jesus finished teaching. They were all amazed and said to one another, what is this word? For with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits and they come out. Number three, Jesus healed with power. Luke chapter 6, verse 19. says, all the crowd sought to touch him for power came out from him and healed them all. And Jesus was aware of this. Luke 8, 46. Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. Number four, Jesus had power over evil spirits. Luke chapter 9, verse 1 says, He called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And of course, Jesus was raised in power. 1 Corinthians 6.14 says, God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Amen. So in, in these examples I just gave you, did you notice how often the power that was within Christ was also made available to his people? He has this power within him, but he freely shared it. He gave it away. He, he invited other people into his power so that they could know who he is and what he offers. That's what he does. He gives his people not only forgiveness of sins, but also the power to live life for his glory. And that's what Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. And he goes on from there. So the same power that raised Jesus from the dead will free us from the power of death and the fear of death. The things we mentioned earlier. The power of death and the fear of death in the resurrection of Christ, we are freed from those things. And so this became a bit of a mantra for the Apostle Paul. 
Whenever he lived his life with reckless abandon, totally fearless of death. And yet, when he confronted death, his only consideration is that it would take him away from valuable ministry. And so he said, for me, to live is Christ. To die, it's gain. No big thing. It's a toll booth. Pay it, move on, go on into glory. He was not afraid of death. He didn't care. He wasn't afraid of the pain. I mean, it's like he lived his life as though he actually believed the resurrection power was his and that Satan was defeated and that life was within him and he lived with abandon. He did not worry about death. He wasn't, he wasn't trying to do everything he could to possibly delay it or sustain it or whatever. It's like he wasn't afraid of it. Death was in God's hands and it came whenever God said it would come. And in the meantime, I'm going to live for Christ. It's a joyful way to live. He was confident something better awaited. And so that's what Paul is talking about in Philippians chapter 3, the text that we read earlier, the power of his resurrection. I want to read that text again to you. And I want you to just to, to notice the, the benefits and the power of the resurrection. And if you believe the truth of the gospel, this, the things that Paul is talking about here is yours also. So let's listen to this one more time. Philippians 3 verse 7. But whatever gain I had, I counted as a loss for the sake of Christ. Meaning that anything you possess right now, any joy, privilege, honor, joy, whatever you have now, it's like, it's, it's nothing compared to the worth of Christ, right? Paul says, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. And said, and indeed, he says in verse 8, I count everything as loss because of or in comparison to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Do you see that? Take all the things that are valuable and important in his life right now, all of his priorities right now, and you weigh them on one side of the scale. Then you put the worth of knowing Jesus on the other side of the scale. It goes straight to the ground and everything else flies out. It's like none of that other stuff matters because it is all about the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. What a privilege it is that we can know God, that we can be given life in Christ. And he says, for his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish. It's a word for garbage, refuse, dung. It's, it's, it's stuff that is completely worthless and without value. In order that I may gain Christ, and, verse 9, be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own, meaning that we don't, we don't earn the life of God by our own merit, by our own good behavior. If you think God will take you to heaven when you die because you're a good person, you are sorely mistaken because you will end up in hell. God accepts us not on the basis of our own good works because we're sinful. We've already unplugged from the source of life. Jesus is who plugs us back in. He is our life source. So we are, we are counted righteous because of Jesus' righteousness, meaning his perfect life is credited to you even though you did not do it yourself. So not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, meaning that this, this belief that you have in the gospel makes the work, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ apply to you. It's given to you. It's a gift. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. And then he goes on to say, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. All of this is true because of Jesus rose from the dead and may share his sufferings, meaning that even if I suffer, I'm willing to do it because it's nothing compared to the joy I have in knowing Christ. 
becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. If you're a Christian, if you have faith in Jesus Christ, life is yours. It belongs to you. You can have forgiveness. The weight of guilt that you experience, the shame, the fear, the, all the things that are hurtful in your life, the sense of abandonment, whatever it is that you feel and experience, there's something greater that is available to you through faith in Jesus. So faith, this faith of Christ is that we have life with God and he is our destiny. And if there's nothing else that, that you hear, it's like that's, that's the thing that I want most of all to impress upon each of you is that there is life that is available to you in Christ. And all the things that we talk about as a church, all the other things in the Bible, all of these things, they all hinge on this one central fact that God came to save sinners from hell and death so that in the resurrection of Christ, we might know him and we might have a life, full life of joy and, and surrender to God. And all of the other things that we do, the ethics and the theology and all those things, this is the, the centerpiece. This is what's most important is that people can know God. You know, Paul says if, 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 uh, if Christ has not been raised, then this is pitiful. What does it matter? What does it matter if there's not a real resurrection that happened and that is made available to us? So it is our prayer that... The, we will all make this faith our own. I know many of you, most of you uh, already, you know Jesus, you're committed to him, you're part of our church, you're members or whatever. But I know there are many of you that may not know Christ in this way. You may, not, you, you may have some knowledge of Jesus, you may have had some church experience, some background, some positive, favorable feelings toward Jesus, or maybe not. You might have some respect for the Bible, you may have, there's a lot of things that you may know or a lot of things you may not know. You may be a total beginner or a newbie. What do they call them now? Noobs? Maybe a noob to the Christian faith. But what we want you to hear is that you can have life in Christ. And that all the things that, that weigh you down and trouble you and worry you, Jesus Christ can, can take those upon himself and he can bear your burdens and he can give you life forever. And when you have that, that power is in your life. It operates, and you don't have to fear death. You don't have to look into your golden years and worrying about, about pain and suffering and death and what's going to happen. It's like you can have confident hope, just like Paul. I'm like, hey, whenever I die, it's gain. Until then, it's Christ. What's the big deal? You can have that kind of freedom and joy. And so I want to conclude here with just a few quick words of practical guidance for those of you who are new or you're not a believer or if you're not even sure, I'm going to give you just a, few, um, just a few practical words about what you can do if you want to take a next step. So if you're thinking, hey, I'm not sure I'm in, but I'm intrigued. Um, that's most of us, right? I mean, most people take time to make a, a, a choice to follow Christ and to surrender everything. I don't expect people to just do it in an instant. But I do want to just give you some, some practical guidance of next steps you can take and I'd love to, me, myself, the pastors of our church, we'd love to walk through whatever those next steps are with you. So I've got four quick things I'll share with you. 
Number one, uh, talk to a pastor or a trusted Christian friend about Jesus. If you don't know what to say, here's what you can say. Say, I'd like to know more about following Jesus. What can you tell me? Find somebody you know and trust, or talk to a pastor, somebody that you know that you know is a trusted person in our church, and say, hey, I'd like to know more about following Jesus. What can you tell me? Uh, after the service, I'll be in the cafe hanging out, and uh, I'd love to have a chance to introduce myself to you, so please uh, say hello. Um, if that's a bit much for you, our online Connect card uh, should be back up on the screen here behind me. You can use that Connect card and um, fill that out, and or if you don't have the QR code, just go to the website, ctkcincy.com cc, fill it out, and then I promise you every one of those goes into an inbox. We review those every single week, and we respond to all of them accordingly. So we're, you're not going to fall through the cracks. We will see you, and we will respond to you in whatever way is appropriate. Number one. Here's number two. Read one chapter of the New Testament every day. Read one chapter of the New Testament every day. So Jesus spoke to us in his word, and in his word, the Bible, the uh, scriptures, this is how we get to know him, because this is how he chose to speak to us. A good place to start is in the Gospel of John. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, start there and um, read a chapter a day. And if you don't understand it, don't, don't worry about it. There's a lot that you won't understand, but the parts that you do understand, ask God to show you more. And if you want to hang out on the same chapter and read it over and over again, there's no rules. Just, keep, just read and ask God while you're reading, pray, say, God, show me yourself as I read this. God will answer that prayer. Speaking of prayer, number three, pray at least once a day. At least once a day. And here are three things that you can pray for. Some of you heard, you know our church, this will sound familiar to you. First thing to pray for is God help me to know you. God help me to love you. God help me to obey you. Pray those three things. Number four, join a faithful local church. Now, of course, uh, we'd love that to be Christ the King. We'd love for everybody that's here today to be a part of our family, to join us and um, to get to know you, join the life of our church. <laughs> we have a great church. We, we love each other. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a very, it, it's a delightful body of believers to be a part of. But I'm also aware, uh, because I've heard from many of you, that many of you are part of our church and you've joined uh, in a way over the last year through our live stream. And so you're not even in Cincinnati. You may live too far away to, to really be a part of our church. First of all, hello, uh, welcome. Good to, good to have you today, even though I can't see you. But uh, if the church is too far away for you to join us, then I want you to hear this with all love in my heart. This is not a substitute for a local church body. This live stream, it's a, it's a digital thing. We're, we're, we're meant to be in local fellowship with people and not, Jesus is our mediator, not technology, right? It's like, our, our, we, we don't have, it's not good for us to have all of our relationships mediated by technology. We need to see each other in person. So um, if you're not able to join us in person, this live stream, it's something that's made available during the pandemic. Uh, because of unusual circumstances, as you all know, but this is not a permanent thing. Um, we, we don't have a date set or anything like that, but we know at some point the live stream will not continue, and we will make our services available at some point later in the day, but we don't, but this, can't be, this can't be something that would enable people to not connect to a local church body in person. 
as much as I love our church and I'd love to have you part of our church family, um, the most important thing is that you have something where you live uh, in, your, in your area that you can get to in person in a reasonable way. If, if that's the case, if, if you're among those, um, I would love, it would be an honor to help you find and connect to a local church. Again, the connect card that we had earlier, um, you know, fill that out and say, can you help me find a church close to where I live? And I'm very well connected. I know people all around the country. I know healthy churches. Um, I'd be happy to, to do some research for you and to come up with a few options and give you some guidance on that. Our, our, our team can help with that. So let us, let us be part of that. You're not going to hurt our feelings if you say, well, hey, we want to find another church somewhere. That's fine. That's like... That, that's not going to bother us. What really matters is that we want to help you find a local church, a body of believers in person that you can join with so that you can live out your life in Christ together. Well, that's all I have to share with you this morning. And just, I'll pray in a moment. I just want to encourage you, please, do not let the sun set tonight without determining in your heart what you're going to do about Jesus. Let's pray. Our Lord Jesus, we... We thank you for the cross. Whenever Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, you could have wiped them out and done whatever you desired to do, but it was in your heart to, to save them and to initiate a plan to redeem them. And we are the beneficiaries of that today and that we can, we can hear the gospel. And I pray, God, that you will turn the lights on in our hearts to see the beauty of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ and that we will respond with a life of humble love and faith. And Lord Jesus, I pray for anyone here today who is um, who's wrestling with who you are and what to do about Jesus. I pray, Lord, that you will lead them. I pray, God, that you will show them a path, show them like how they can make steps in the right direction towards a, a believing faith in Christ so that they can know your life. Do that, Lord, I pray. Lord Jesus, we confess that we are sinful and that we've rebelled against you, the source of life, and we ask for your forgiveness. And thank you, by faith, that in Jesus, that is promised to us. We are assured that we are forgiven of our sin. And Lord, help us to trust in your death and your resurrection and to respond with obedient faith and love in our hearts, knowing that we have power in your resurrection. Thank you, Jesus, that you overcame the power of death and you overcame the fear of death so that we can say to live is Christ, to die is gain. Thank you, Jesus, for Easter Sunday. We have the privilege of knowing you. We pray these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.